Hey, cousin. How you doing? Very well. It's so good to have you on, cousin Antonio McClady. Thank you. McClady for... L. We got to throw that oh, L in there. Oh, come on, <laughs> tell me about the L. Tell well, me about the L. That, that's a denotation for my Moorish American heritage and nationality. So that, uh, hence the uh, shirt, whether it, you know anyone can see it or not, we're not Negro, we're not Black, colored, African American, we are Moors. Okay. Now, uh, again, we can probably spend a lot of time on that. So I will save you the long dissertation, but at the end of the day, that's what the L is uh, for, is again, tying me back to the nationality of the Moorish American. Okay. And not necessarily related to uh, faith. Well, so that's a part of everyone's life. So every uh, nationality, there is a religion, there's a language, there's a flag and they all have land. So there's uh, several elements that go with nationality. So, you know, like for instance, if someone's Chinese, you know, China, you know, has its own flag, they have their own language, they have their own religion, they have their own land. So there is no African American land, you know, there's no Negro land. Like, so there's no land, there's no flag, there's no language. So that's not a nationality. Now, if you, you know, choose to refer to yourself as such, there's nothing wrong with it, so to speak. However, you know, you're going to miss out on some of the rights and liberties that we were born with that we are being deprived of, um, you know, by not proclaiming that nationality and, you know, walking in it and all of the things that come with it. So again, yes, there is a religious aspect to it. But when ones talk about religion, I, I really think they're referring to spirituality, not necessarily understanding that religion is more so based around government. Um, you know, so it's, it's a body politic. And so, you know, we got to, you know, go into the uh, definition and uh, the etymology of that to kind of get the full meaning and understanding of it. But that's, that's a, again, like I said, deeper conversation. So, but yeah, but it is, it's taken us back to the, what we consider the old time religion. So, you know, prior to uh, Christianity coming on the scene, you know, we had to be, as, as people of color, we had to be converted to Christianity. If you, you know, watch, if you, even if you go back and watch the Roots documentaries, right? We were, mm -hmm. we were forced into Christianity. So it makes you wonder, what were we practicing before Christianity? Well, you know, you know so. I, I asked, well, you notice, first of all, I said faith. Right. <laughs> okay. I didn't say anything else. Yeah, you did, you did, yeah. I'm like, listen, faith. And even when we say spirituality, it's like, you know, there's some practices that people question and I just try not to get into it, but hey, yeah. I can use all of them and know what I mean. <laughs> well, um, see, faith is based on a belief system. It's what someone believes to be true, you know, so. And you're right, you did mention faith and I kind of took it and ran with it uh, in a whole no, no, other no, no. direction. No, uh, I, I was uh, agreeing with you. I was trying to stay away from the institution or the legalization of it. You know, right, because right. it is a relationship. So, absolutely. At yeah. least that's my perspective. I don't put, want to push my perspective well, on it. Well, you know what? See, I'm, I'm one of those individuals that I feel like I can discuss anything with anyone because at the end of the day, I, I feel like we could agree to disagree on anything. We don't have to share the same opinion in order to have a conversation, an intellectual conversation, mm -hmm. and, and hear each other's opinion because you may learn from me, I may learn from you, mm -hmm. or we might just you know be at a stalemate but you know we can still move on and agree to disagree on a point and still remain casual and friends I think you know we get so caught up a lot of times in conversations with people 
and it turns emotional and yes. that's where it gets out of control because people are letting their feelings drive them instead of you know having a logical intellectual conversation well you, you know? know you know how i rock and roll however i am i i don't like people pushing their stuff on me therefore i'm very careful about making sure that this is my opinion and this is what i believe and i can stand in that and i allow you to stand in in uh what you believe so that was the only reason i pull it back and say well hold on Otherwise, right. look, it's a conversation, as you mentioned, which right. I love. Even, I mean, I, I think even as somebody having their belief, I, you know, I get what you're saying when it comes to pushing it. But, you know, I, like, so I, for instance, if you have a belief in something, I always like to hear what your belief is and why you believe what you believe. And like, so I like to hear the supporting facts in terms yes. of like, you know, even how you came into believing that or, you know, what makes you believe that. You know, and, and understanding, because I, I like to understand how people think, because again, like I said, it might change my perception on something. Like I might have a belief in something based on how I was raised or, you know, what experiences I've had, but you might tell me something about an experience you have, and it changes the way I see it because I look at it from a different perspective. And so that's really, to me, what conversation and interaction, human interaction is all about, is we're supposed to be learning from each other. But I think a lot of times people tend to judge the messenger and sometimes not get the message because they're they're get, they're too caught up in something else so they're they're not listening to what a person is actually saying because they're hung up on something else yeah. so and yeah i i'm not into that i just made a blanket statement as though everybody and i wanted to clarify this is okay. This is uh, this, this, your, this, this, your, this your is my thing. This is my thing. We're gonna respect okay. each other. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I but I you. love learning too, and that's that's why we always vibe so well. I'm like, what are you into? I, I, I agree. My my uh, little big cousin. <laughs> I <laughs> am so big, big in size. That's it. <laughs> yes, yes. My little big cousin, um, Tony. You know, I've seen you grow from a baby on, because I have a few years on you. And I am so glad that our grandmothers as sisters made sure that we all stay connected, regardless to which city or state that we lived in. And I'm so grateful to have you and my Cleveland family and extended Seattle family <laughs> um, in the mix and that we make time to learn and grow with each other, regardless to opinions, regardless to our statuses in life, regardless to our schedules. We always make time, definitely you and I, make time to send a text, um, to have a conversation and just get caught up. And I'm excited today to share Tony, you know, this Antonio. Yeah, you're Antonio. Oh, Tony's fine, either one, you know. Look, Tony and Tony, my listeners are gonna be like, two Tonys, <laughs> same family, yes. To share uh, a little bit about Tony the man, Tony the entrepreneur, Tony the author, Tony the father, um, your book, what you poured into that, that should be spread across the world. It should be a part of curriculum. You really poured your heart into that love letter 
that gift that you gave your son. And then just the way you move, you know, I've had an opportunity to um, worship fellowship with you and Sharon at church. Um, we've planned family gatherings, family reunions together. And then you fly in town, just those precious moments. Um, thank you publicly. I want the people to know that this is my real cousin. <laughs> it's not a Facebook cousin. And then I'm extremely proud of your growth. No one knows every part of your story, not even your wife, <laughs> you know, no one knows every part of your story, but the parts of your story, both painful and those times of growth, I just thank you for sharing with me. And I just want to give you an opportunity to share with the people and encourage them in a way that you've encouraged our family and so many others, um, just as you navigate life, sir. Well, <laughs> well first and foremost, I, I thank you for uh, welcoming me to share my story. I, I'm humbled to hear you um, say such kind things. I'm, I'm always just taken back when I hear uh, compliments because a lot of the things that I do in life, I, I don't necessarily do it for the recognition. Mm -hmm. I just try to be the best person that I could be. And sometimes I'm even kind of, uh, I, I, it's, it's weird because I'm, I'm not a shy person, but I kind of get that tingly feeling when people start talking about me because it's, you know, it's, 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 it's weird. You know, everybody wants the recognition. Everybody wants to feel good about what they're doing, but it is still a weird feeling for me because I'm like, I almost like, like to stay in the background and the shadows and just kind of, you know, do good and not necessarily be recognized. But it, again, it's always appreciated and good to hear. And, and I'm always humble because a lot of times you do things in life, not really knowing whether it's having an impact whether anybody's watching, whether anybody's paying attention. And so it's always good to know that you're reaching, you know, even if it's just one person, you're reaching somebody and it, and, and it matters. So it gives you the kind of the motivation to keep going. Um, but as far as my story, where to start? I mean, I could kind of give you um, the long version, the condensed version and anywhere in between. Um, so uh, you, you mentioned uh, uh, several different things in terms of, you know, uh, me being an, you know, an entrepreneur, you know, me being a, an author, me being a father. Um, and, you know, kind of, you know, life has been very interesting, so to speak. You know, I, I got into entrepreneurialism at a, at a very early age, uh, you know, out of kind of um, necessity, so to speak. You know, we, we can't, I can't say we didn't have a lot growing up, but we didn't have all of the things we wanted, but we had everything we needed, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, I, I enjoy my, my upbringing, but, you know, I learned how to hustle, so to speak, you know, I was selling candy out of my locker at school and other uh, things that I could do, like recycling cans and washing cars. And so I've always had something going, uh, got into my first business at 18. And from there, just continued to um, experience, experiment, take my lumps, my losses, because, uh, you know, that's what you do in business. You know, you, you learn more from the losses sometimes than you do from the wins. And so I've really, over the past umpteen years, uh, 30, well, shoot, it's been close to 30 years. Well, not not quite, it's about more like 20, 24, almost 25 years. I've been in business for myself in some form or fashion or another. 
that I've been able to learn a lot. Uh, and, you know, I, I think success is measured in many different ways. And so I feel like I have learned a lot about myself. I've learned how to help other people become successful. And I really enjoy using the pitfalls that I've had and the knowledge that I've gained to help somebody else reach the source of their own power. And And so that's really what drives me from an entrepreneurial standpoint, as well as I want to change the legacy for my family. You know, uh, a mentor once said to me that if it wasn't meant to be done by you, it would have been done already. So, you know, I realized that, you know, nobody left me uh, a trust fund or, you know, I wasn't born with a silver spoon. And so what that means to me is that it's up to me to change the legacy for my family else, you know it's gonna be left on the next generation. And so I'm always trying to better and improve my family, improve my, my son's life so that he doesn't have some of the same struggles that I went through. But at the same time, instilling values in him that we learned along the way about family, about the importance of doing right and being a good person and about working hard. So those are all important. And so that kind of is what prompted me to write the book. At the time uh, when I started it, I was actually, uh, flying a lot in the airline industry. I worked for Continental and then we merged with United. And so I was there for 16 years. And so at the time, it, it's a high risk job. We don't really think about it as such, but anytime you fly in an airplane, you, you know, we take for granted that we're going to take off and land and everything's going to be okay. But it, it's a, it's a high risk environment. You know, things could go wrong. Things could happen. We've got all kinds of situations that could come about. And so as I began to think about it, I said, you know, there's a real possibility that I could one day not make it back home and my son and I might not get to share certain experiences. We might not get to have certain talks, you know, about the birds and the bees or about certain things that I feel are important for a father to share with his son. And so that being the case, I began to write different things down that I wanted to share with him at different stages in his life. And so at the time I started writing, he was only four years old. So it's not like I could really drop a lot of uh, deep conversations on him. He was just, you know, interested in playing with Legos and blocks. And so I gave him, you know, uh, small chapters to begin with, you know, just a couple pages, just talking to him about, you know, enjoying, you know, being a, a small child and enjoying, you know, you know, um, mom and dad, you know, while we're around, but, you know, also still little lessons that he could grasp at that age. And as we, you know, progressed throughout the book, we got into more serious lessons, you know, understanding, you know, the importance of saving money, the importance of investing, you know, how to talk to girls, you know, how to uh, tie your shoes. Now, that, those were some of the things we dealt with in the beginning of the book, you know, how to tie your shoes, you know, yes. how to tie a tie. Because for me, I didn't learn how to tie a tie until I was in high school, you know, uh, and, and that's an important thing that we might take for granted that, you know, most young men might not know. And so, you know, just things like that, how to shave. Nobody, I'll be honest with you, nobody taught me how to shave, you know. So those were things that I, I learned along the way in different arenas. And I said, you know, I, I want my son to get these lessons from me. These are important things that I feel like every father should share with his child. And so as I began to write these, you know, letters to him, I started to think, you know, this could serve a bigger purpose. Much like, much like you mentioned, 
I feel like there are other children out here who might not have a father figure. They're being raised by, you know, a single mom or a grandparent or somebody else who can't really show them how to be a man because they don't have the capabilities. And so I said, now this book could not only serve the purpose for my son and me sharing, you know, thoughts with him as his father, but this could be a roadmap for those young men who don't have a father figure that they could pick up something and and not be embarrassed about not knowing something because here it is. You know, one of the chapters in the book, we talked about safe sex and how to wear a condom, how to put on a condom. Of course, I use the banana, uh, but, you know, stuff like that, because again, our young men, we're fearful of having that conversation. We, you know, some of our young men will rather go out and have unprotected sex because they don't even want to go to the store to embarrass the buy. embarrassed to talk about it so so these are things that I guess I wanted to get away from and much like you said I, I want to see this book in the hands of every young man however got to do a better job of promoting I, you know I, I plan on doing a relaunch and a refresh of uh, the book here soon and uh, trying to better promote it and get it out there um, possibly even do a hardback cover because that seems to be something that the libraries and you know other institutions for whatever reason they want a hardback cover book I don't, maybe it's because of you know they want to make sure that it's durable for okay. you know yeah, circulation I, I don't know i really can't understand why that's such a big deal but hey so hey, uh, but hey libraries yeah so but yeah so <laughs> that's the goal is to get in the library so when i wrote the book I, I made sure to keep it priced at an affordable like you know a lot of people sell their books for you know 15 16 17 20 dollars I kept my book under 10 bucks because I wanted to make sure that everybody could afford to buy it. And no matter what your budget is that, you know, you could get it and utilize it. And so we did uh, do a cover already for the second one, which is based on young ladies. We just have not finished putting it together. It hasn't been finished. You know, we're not, we're not finished with writing it and everything, but, but what is it? It's in the works. Very good. So, um, you know, that uh, will be coming at some point soon. I just don't know when exactly, but uh, we, we aim to do the same thing for the young ladies uh, that we did for my son. So this one, uh, because I don't have a daughter and I only have the one son, this one's called Just In Case You Were Here. So, mm. um, so if I had a daughter, this is the stories. These are things I would share with her from a father's perspective, to teach her about, you know, being a young lady, because I really think it's important. Um, as a male, you're the first example that a young lady gets to see of how she should be treated by a man and how a man, um, how she should treat a man and how she should be treated by a man. So um, I'm excited to get to working on that as well. And the title of the book, The Love Letter to Your Son. That one is called Just In Case I'm Not There. And the premise behind it again was if I'm not around, to have these conversations with you about these issues, here's something that you can at least read that's going to help you navigate your way through so that you don't have to find all of these things out on your own or the hard way or, you know, be left wondering what to do. So I wanted to at least leave him with something as a legacy. And the good thing about it, I say, you know, when I published it, I was like, look, if I never sell a copy, I'm happy just to have him have a copy so that this is my gift to him that will live forever so 
That's why I call it a love letter. I mean, you know, well, it is. all three it of my is. sons have copies. My mom and dad, they have their separate copies. Everybody is like, this is good. Well, hold on to it. One day it might be worth something. I'm working on building my, my name up and my brand up. and It's uh, worth something. You know, the, yeah. the contents alone. I wouldn't well, I have said, that. you know how protective I am about my people. <laughs> I would not have said that. And you know, I wouldn't have said that if I didn't mean it. I know. And I, and I want to say this. I do truly, truly appreciate you all were super supportive and, you know, helping to promote and distribute. And, you know, when we came to Detroit, you know, you really, uh, you know, hyped it up and talked about it and everything. And so I'm so grateful for the support. Um, if anybody who's read the book, if, you know, one of the things that, I, you know, the feedback I've gotten is we need reviews online. So if you read the book and, you know, you liked it, you know, go online, you know, on Amazon, leave some feedback reviews because, that's what, you know, these um, institutions want to see is the mm -hmm. feedback, you know, and so that's, you know, as, as strange as, as it seems, that's what they evaluate how good a book is that, you know, I always figure like if you read it, you could just you evaluate how good it was, you know, how good it was, but, <laughs> a, 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 you know, apparently they don't want to read it. They want everybody else to read it and tell them how good it was, and then they're going to determine where they're going to buy it. So, uh, but yeah, if you, you know, anybody who's read it, you know, all those people that you name, please have them go online. So leave a couple, you know, sentences of a review mm -hmm. and, and leave that feedback so that other people will possibly go out, buy it for themselves. I, I do think it's a great book. I'm biased, of course, but I feel like it's something that everybody can use, everybody can uh, benefit from. Mm -hmm. You know, the pandemic has um, caused us all to <laughs> sit with ourselves and to value each other, I believe, differently. I've seen um, in my immediate family and um, just even online, how males are making time to work on their healing, living healthier, um, and really pouring in, being honest with themselves and taking the mask off, pulling the layers back, and letting the world know what they need, you know? And I mean, you had already started doing that. And with this book, uh, that's why I was like, hey, people are ready to receive it even more so now than before. You know, we talk about young women who have daddy issues or had an absent father who desired um, the guidance of their father um, and I'm sure there's some, well, we know for sure that there are young men who felt the same way, but that's why your book is so powerful and meaningful and um, just, it, it, it's a legacy for you between you and your son, but it is just, it's just good. It's what we need. You know how sometimes you discover something you didn't even realize you really needed that? I needed to read it, you know? As my boys were going through their stages of development, I had no clue. I had to lean on other people. First of all, biologically, I have no clue. Right. <laughs> and some of it, I don't want to know. You know, let's pass that on. But the more we know, the more we can support each other. I agree. Listen, I need to make you my PR person because, you know, I, I really love the love and support that you are 
you know, giving us and the positive feedback. But, you know, I, I agree. I think there's, um, you know, I that's have kind something of, in the works, cousin, for you okay. and a couple more of my male author friends. All right. And my male friends who, well, not just male friends, but my friends who lead uh, male focused national programs. Okay. Well, listen, I'm always open. Like I said, my, my goal is I want to help as many people as I can. And uh, even when, when, I, when I got to writing it, you know, that's kind of what drove me to continue to just, you know, try to put my heart into it. I wanted it to be genuine. Um, and, you know, what's crazy is, is when you're working on things, not everybody's going to see your vision. You know, I had some editors and things tell me, oh, you should change this. You really shouldn't say that. You shouldn't work on this. And I was like, well, listen, this is my story. This is what I want to say. This is how I'm going to say it. I appreciate your feedback, but this is what I'm going to do. And so, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I feel like I just wanted to leave a piece of myself with, with him and for anybody who picked it up and, and read it. So, you know, that, that's, that's, that was the goal. But, you know, one, one thing you mentioned, you know, with this pandemic, I, I, I agree, like, one of the things I think that came out of this pandemic from a positive standpoint is that people became closer as a family. You know, it, because everything was shut down, people were forced into the house. Now, it wasn't good for everybody because some people realized their relationships weren't no good. It's like, look, we can't be around each other too much. We need space. And so, you know, uh, some people didn't make it, but it, it really forced you to be around your family, spend time with your family. And I think that's what was missing. You know, uh, you know, the, the people that were working, you know, nonstop, you know, till they dropped never got a chance to spend time with the very people that they're working hard to support. And, you know, children were going to sleep without spending time with their parents, didn't know their parents, parents didn't know them. So I really think that was a positive thing that we got out of this pandemic. If we got nothing else, I think that was important. And uh, it also showed us that we could do without a lot of things. You know, when certain stuff got cut down, you know, uh, like for instance, you know, during the pandemic, shoot, I, I got downsized and you know, we, got, we got furloughed and I learned to really do a lot with a lot less than what I was used to doing. And even you know now, I mean, there's been a lot of changes as a result of this pandemic in my life. Um, and I don't share it with a lot of people because I don't, I don't like to be a charity case, so to speak, or I'm not looking for sympathy from people. It's life, it is what it is. We take whatever we you know, are, are dealt and you know, I deal with it, you know, uh, but you know, you know, my world has been turned totally upside down as a result of this pandemic. But, you know, I feel like it's for the positive because I feel like something great is going to happen as a result of it. Sometimes we need that little push to move because we would have been comfortable and not gone anywhere had it not been a shakeup. You know what I mean? Yes. So like, you, you, you know, sometimes you need that little nudge to get you going. Yeah, so. we need that redirection. We need that pause, first of all, Yeah. because you like me, we were all over Hey guys, I'm gonna see you in a minute. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So we needed 50, 50 that time miles an hour. Yeah, we needed that time to rest. We needed that pause. And uh, I take it all as a redirection. Oh yeah. Absolutely. For this next phase, you know? Absolutely. One of the things I also learned about this pandemic and with everything that took place is 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 this that every day that we get up we're working on a dream. Now the question is, is it your dream or is it somebody else's dream? But we're working on a dream every day. And so when we go to the job, typically they're paying us 
to forget our own dreams because we're spending eight hours a day at a job. And one of the biggest tricks that society has played on us is they told us that there's 24 hours in a day. That's not true. There's 12 hours in a day and there's 12 hours in a night. So if they told you that there was 12 hours in a day, would you give them eight of the 12? No, you wouldn't. So therefore they told you that there's 24 hours in a day so that they, you give them the majority of your day to build their dream while they go out and they live the lifestyle that they want to live doing the things that they want to do. So again, you know, it, it's all about, you know, we, we've learned a lot about changing the way we think. You know, if you've learned from this experience, if you really sat down and thought about it, use your wits in the sense that, you know, you was born with, as the older folks used to say, um, you know, you, you pick up a lot and learn a lot from this situation. You know, and I like how you, well, that the, I like the fact that you broke it down that 24 hours because we're really taking care of ourselves. Even if we aren't asleep, we should at least allocate eight hours. Mm -hmm. So with our waking hours, how do we choose to spend our time? Yeah, that, that's an important question. And are question. we making time for the things that we really value? Or are we conditioning our minds to run this rat, rat race. And I'm not saying you can't work for someone else, but how are you spending your time even within eight hours? Are you taking your breaks? Are you taking your vacations that you're due? That's a part of the plan. That's a right? part of the agreement. Are you taking care of you? Well, I, I, I think most people do spend time doing the things that they value. And what, when I, what I mean by that is that people are going to put the time into the things that they have the most passion or the most value. So again, if you enjoy making money at work and you're about chasing that bag, as everybody likes to say, and that's what's important to you, then that's where you're going to spend your time doing. What I've learned a long time ago through, you know, various life situations, you know, I, back, you know, before I joined the airline, um, in 2007, you know, I was laid off and, you know, it really made me realize that life requires balance. You know, I was spending a ton of time, um, you know, working at the time, you know, I, that was the main thing, I, you know, because of the way, you know, again, we grew up with, with not a whole lot of stuff, but, you know, we had everything we needed, but, you know, I, I, I was trying to obtain all of these things because that's what, the world says we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have, you know, our own house. We're supposed to have our own car. We're supposed to have this. We're supposed to have that. So I was trying to tame all these things. Ended up, you know, um, you know, getting out of a relationship because the young lady at the time um, wanted my time, and I was chasing money. And so what I learned through that situation, with both being laid off and that relationship, was that you have to have balance. You have to have a proper balance between your faith between your making money, between your family, and also, you know, with your own self-care. Yeah. And so, again, I also believe all things happen for a reason, because if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't have met my wonderful wife now and, you know, have my son, you know, to show for us. So, again, you know, all of that was with purpose, but, you know, I learned that, you know, it requires balance. And so now I'm at a point in my life where I 
am content with making sure that I have all my needs met, that my wife has her needs met, but I'm not the same person that I'm chasing after money or I'm chasing after this or that. It's about balance, you know? So um, I, I think that's important, but, I, but, but that's what I value. Not everybody's gonna have the same values, you know what I mean? Yes. So somebody else might say, hey, that's not important. I get it. I love it. But you know, <laughs> in, in different seasons, we change, whether it's aging, um, different environments, um, learning more, we just, it changes and it's okay. Um, we often resist at certain points in our lives, resist change because we are so oh. focused on, I got to do it this way. And no, I haven't met my goal. If I veer off to the right or to the left, no. That's human nature. We all are change resistant. That's like, <laughs> that's what people fear. They don't want to change, you know, and that's a big problem with what we deal with in society on two fronts. One, we don't want to change and the problem with that is that a lot of the things that we have come accustomed to, we've been indoctrinated in, we've been taught, you know, a certain way of thinking from the time we were small children. So now knowing that people don't want to change, we would rather be stuck in those bad habits and those bad ways rather than to make changes and do what we need to do for the betterment of ourselves. So that's crazy that even when it's about your own self-improvement and, you know, self-preservation is first law of nature. So, you know, even though it's, you know, dealing with your own self-betterment and self-improvement, we still won't change as a people. Yeah, that's crazy to me. But, uh, but yeah, that's the only thing that's constant is change. You know, it's, but, so you know. How did you get, how did you get, beyond move beyond change because we we all resist something how did you decide you know what well a couple of uh, there were a couple of things that you know kind of brought it on for me sometimes you change in life and it's beyond your control so for instance like i said you know being downsized and laid off that wasn't a change that I wanted to make. I didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And so now you have to reevaluate your life because now when you're used to making a certain income, you're used to doing certain things and your income doesn't allow you to do that anymore, or you now have to make better choices. So like, you know, before, you know, I could go and spend a hundred dollars on a steak dinner, you know, somewhere or a nice dinner because I don't eat steak. So, but a nice dinner. And, you know, that could be the regular. I might, you know, do that two, three times a week. But now when you have to be more conscious from an economic standpoint, you know, maybe you do that once a month or maybe you now have to, you know, go eat a $25, you know. So, you know, that's just, you know, sometimes the, the change is outside of your control. Okay. Now, another thing for me that allowed me to better deal with change is understanding that, I have to stop caring about what other people feel or think about what I do. And mm -hmm. to me, that's one of the most liberating feelings that you can have when 
you get to a point in your life where you don't really care what other people think. And I, it, it doesn't mean that you don't care about other people's opinions that like, you know, like forget everybody. What I mean is that people are going to always talk, you know, nobody, you know, a, a dog doesn't bark at a parked car. So when you're moving, you're, you're going in a positive direction, you're doing anything, people are going to have something to say. Some are going to be positive, some are going to be negative. But at the end of the day, I started looking at how many of the people who are giving their feedback, especially the negative ones, which bills are they paying in my household? Which ones are they contributing to? And if they are not contributing to any bills in my household, they're not contributing to my life in any positive way, to me, your opinion doesn't matter. And so I stopped worrying about what other people had to say. And I started going internally and thinking about what I wanted, you know, in a situation, what was important to me and also to my family. So I, even though my son's only 13, he has say in the house in terms of his opinion matters. I want him to know that, hey, listen, you know, your voice matters. You know, we were, we grew up in a, in a, in a time where kids were seen, not heard. So you better not get into grown folks conversations. We don't want to hear what you got to say, but that, I wanted to change that. I want them to understand that you might, you, we can learn from anyone. And he might have some information that is a different perspective. He sees life differently than we do as adults. And so his opinion matters and my wife's opinion matters. So I, I, I respect, you know, what they say and I value that. So sometimes I might be set in doing something a certain way and my wife may say something and it changes my whole way of thinking and I go about doing it a different way. So that's kind of how I approach change. You know, I, I look at it for what, you know, the situation is. And, and, and another thing, I always look at life and begin with the end in mind. So in any situation I'm getting ready to get into, I say, okay, you know, how is, how do I want this to end up? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the outcome that I desire? And now once I have a mindset or I can picture the outcome that I desire, now I can work backwards to obtain that outcome and put a systematic plan in place to get there. Now, the problem with that for a person like myself, who sometimes, uh, you know, I'm all over the place. I, you know, I, I, I kind of operate in a controlled chaos, so to speak, because to everybody else, it looks like it's, it, it, it's kind of chaotic. But to me, it makes sense. I'm very organized and, and methodical in the way I do things. But um, sometimes I can procrastinate or sometimes I can be doing way too many projects at one time so that it takes me a long time to get to where I want to be but eventually I get it done. <laughs> so, In your time. In my time. Right, right. So. Well, and, 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 and the creator's time, because my time is really, I'm just right. playing my part, you know? So I, I, we, we think we controlling things, but we ain't controlling nothing. We, nothing. we just playing our part. This is, I'm in this scene of, of my life, uh, act 42. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. So, yes, surrender is, yes. Mm-hmm. It's a journey, but it's so beautiful. It is. It is so beautiful. It reveals so much about yourself, the world, and your relationship. Um, yeah. It's just beautiful. It's cleansing, it's invigorating, and it's also 
I mean, it corrects you. It make you, you know. I agree. Yeah, you, He's like, you gotta sit there. You know, self-reflection is the duty of man. And when I say man, I mean man and woman, but we should always be self-reflecting on life, on situations yeah. and figuring out, you know, how I could have did this better. What could I do? And, and I always, we got to always bring it back to ourselves. And that keeps us from having the victim mentality that keeps us from, you know, placing blame on others. When you all, when you look at every situation that you are involved in, you are the common denominator. And so you can always say, well, what could I have done better in that situation? What could I have done different in that situation? How could I have changed? And so if you focus on you in that situation and how you can learn from it, then, you know, you can grow from any situation. Absolutely. Now you mentioned um, that your wife's parents, Sharon's parents have mm -hmm. relocated. Yes. Um, church still going? So my wife uh, took over as the senior pastor and her brother is the assistant pastor. Okay, because they were co-pastoring while father was healing so, somewhat. Yeah, so- Yes so, and no. <laughs> yeah, so he he uh, he knew he had some health challenges, so he kind of put them in position, you know, before it was, you know, sometimes churches, they wait until, you know, the pastor has passed on and then there's chaos and disorderly conduct and trying to figure out who's the successor. So being the wise man that he was, he wanted to make sure that there was no confusion, there was no chaos. And so he put her in place and her brother in place ahead of time to continue on the legacy that he's built. And he stayed on, you know, he, he said he was retired, but he, he still ain't retired. Even from Florida, he ain't retired. Right, so, right. Uh, <laughs> so, but, so the church is still, you know, uh, going and uh, thriving and, you know, always, you know, we're looking to grow because there, there is no uh, stagnation. There's either growth or decline. So we're always trying to grow um, and what we do for the community, uh, what, you know, uh, you know, what's going on in ministry. And so she's again, uh, leading up the charge, her brother's assisting, and I kind of fill in wherever I'm needed uh, and yeah. do my part as much as I can. And, uh, you know, so they're, they're enjoying retirement, so to speak in Florida. Um, and so, um, you know, we have virtual service and have, you know, that was another thing that came out of the pandemic. Oh. We, we were doing virtual before the pandemic even started, but that made it easy for us to transition to fully virtual. And so now we do a combination of in-person service and virtual. And so uh, that's good because they can still tap in and tune in to service remotely where they're at in Florida. Yes. And so I had the great fortune of um, visiting in person yeah in person and and you're welcome little, to come back anytime absolutely and you see how i kind of slid in there i'm like well hold on so the real question is and i enjoyed myself thoroughly enjoyed myself like i would drive back on a weekend you know it could be a weekend thing for me um mm -hmm. so how is it being a pastor's husband uh, <laughs> pastor's well, spouse well listen spouse uh, of a pastor even in with, essence, you're in business together, period, regardless to what you're in service together. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, to me, it's not much different, any, you know, for me, I mean, this is only, I, I've, you know, my wife was in ministry when I met her. 
Mm -hmm. And so, you know, traditionally people will say, okay, you know, when you come from the Christian background, oh, well, the woman is supposed to go to where the man fellowships. Well, I knew my wife was in ministry, so I went at the time and fellowship where she fellowship because there was no need to pull her out of ministry to go sit in someone's church and not be in ministry. So, you know, I came to the church and so she's always been in ministry. So for me, it was no different. I've always kind of helped out where I could, you know, um, filled in where I could. And I do the same. I don't try to step on any toes. I don't try to, you know, I, I'm not a person about titles. Again, just like I told you earlier, I try to stay in the background. Yeah, uh, exactly. Some of the things that I do, probably nobody knows and it goes unrecognized. And I'm okay with that. You know, uh, it does get a little frustrating sometimes when, you know, you hear people chattering and you know what you do, but they don't know what you do. But I kind of just, you know, sit and, and I try not to, um, you know, take it personal, but you know, it, it's, it, it's, to me, it's no different than, you know, just being a regular husband. I mean, I think any husband would support their spouse and whatever they're doing. And so I try to do that the best I can. Uh, and also try to be that, uh, voice of reason when it's necessary and that, that listening ear when it's necessary or whatever else is needed, because it's a, that's a tough, that's a tough job. You know, when you're dealing with the masses and you're dealing in ministry, it's a tough, it's a tough job. Yes. Yeah. So she, she handles it well. I just wanted to, I did not introduce that portion of your life, <laughs> but before yeah, we conclude it, I want to life. I mean, I kind of <laughs> listen. No, you're in it together. Stop we playing. Are, we are. We are. <laughs> Tell and her I'm, I say hello if she's nearby. Tell her to peek in. Yeah, she, she's she's nearby. She's in there playing with our little dog. Who we got a little COVID dog. That's another thing came out of COVID for us. Got a dog, and this dog is all over the place. So my wife uh, didn't didn't want a dog. Doesn't like dogs, so to speak, but this is her best friend now. The dog is no longer my dog. It's her dog. And so she spoils the dog. And so she's in there entertaining and playing with the dog. Dog follow her around everywhere. You know, it's just it's crazy. So, but you know, she's a cutie. But I will pass that along. So I mean, if she hears you, she can uh, she can probably hear us from in in, in there, but she's more than welcome to pop in and yes. you know, say hello. But uh, but yeah, it, it's you know. Uh, she does a great job. And, you know, this funny part about uh, Sharon is that um, she's an introvert, but she is extroverted when it's necessary. Now she's, you know, we share some of the qualities in that aspect because we're both the type of people where we can go into somewhere and not know a person, but still be comfortable and have a good time because we've never met a stranger. So, you know, she's she's a social butterfly when she needs to be, but she would probably rather be left alone if, she, if it comes down to it and she got a choice. She'd rather be, you know, left her own devices, but, um, you know, she, she does a great job. Uh, she's, you know, loved by everybody she comes into contact with. I mean, we, at one point, you know, we, uh, we, we have this little group at work where we would have, uh, you know, different get togethers and whatnot. And so they start telling me, look, where your wife at? You, you just the extra. So I became the plus one and she became the, the invitee. So, you know, and it's my work group, but, <laughs> but, you know, so she does a great job. Yeah. yeah. She, she has a special light. I, it's just great. Even um, hearing her voice. So I'm glad that you two are together. 
Yeah, well, you know, it, I, I feel we like benefit it, from your marriage. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that, look, everybody says the same thing. I'm like, look, my family got like, if, if, if anything ever were to happen, I feel like I'm going to be left out. Like, <laughs> she's going to be still at the family function. Like, well, you can't come because she ain't going to be here. No, so, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's great, you know. Um, and, and I think that it, it's important to, you know, have somebody like that, you know, that people love. I mean, when you marry a person, you really marry their family as well. So, you know, it's it's important to have somebody who your family likes and who, um, you know, other people like, uh, because there's nothing like when you can't go certain places because don't nobody like the person you're with. (laughs) So it's it's, it's a rough situation. Yeah, you you don't get extended, an invitation extended to you. Right. All of a sudden, you wonder why all your invites dried up. <laughs> so yeah, I don't have that problem. So I'm getting invites sometimes, probably because of Sharon, I get the invite. And so I'm like I said, I'm the extra. Uh, but you know, it's it's good. She does have, but she, you know, she's passionate about what she does. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're passionate about anything, it's easy to transfer that enthusiasm into others uh, because it's something you're passionate about. You know. And she has an amazing smile. So, I mean, hey, mm. she can smile through anything. <laughs> I keep telling her she needs to smile more, but, you know, she she don't, uh, she be walking around frowning all the time. But I say, got it. We got to get I don't believe smile. you. You know, she hear you. I know she hear me. I I, I tell her she got uh, RBF. And if you know, people know what that is, <laughs> but, you know, I tell her she, she, so a lot of times she walk around frowning. I don't think she knows she's frowning, but I always uh, point it out and then she starts smiling. When She's I probably thinking. Yeah, probably, but that's some hard thinking if you're doing all this, all that. <laughs> well, look at me without my glasses. She's thinking. Well, that's because you can't see. That's what that is. <laughs> you're trying to see stuff. <laughs> you know. That's, that's a different one. That's different when you're doing all this. <laughs> yeah. I'll all my secrets. Now, we, we, so let's go back to, I don't want to call her my favorite, but your mom <laughs> okay. was one of the most loved cousins over there because she was always full of energy. And mm-hmm. so with her age being between my parents' age, my dad's age and my age, it's like we looked up to her until you all got to a certain age. Then we started leaning into you because you are closer to my kids' ages. Right, right. <laughs> so I truly am the big cousin. But yeah, your mom always made sure especially when I started traveling independently that I was taken care of and just watching you and Terry and Stephanie, I'm just like, oh, my little baby cousins. Yeah, <laughs> and now you're fine. all grown up, married, children. Yeah, it, look, it, time passes by, but you know, it's just funny when I think about all of those back in the day, you know, all of the, the growing up as well. And just, you know, we've always kind of been uh, acquainted and, and, and tight knit from a, you know, uh, the Detroit family and the Cleveland family, you know, so um, this is, you know, it it doesn't matter how much time goes by or, you know, what we got going on. Like you said, it's always love. Like, you know, you and I might not talk for, you know, five, six months, but, you know, we pick right back up where we left off and we might've been continuing the conversation that we had five months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, you know, but it's, it's always good to have those relationships and, 
you know, I think we get so busy with life that we can sometimes take those for granted and um, forget how short and precious life is. And, you know, we got to make time and take time, you know, for a family. Yeah. So as we prepare to wrap up. Okay. Continuing along this family thing. Auntie Jenny just celebrated her birthday. Yeah, ninety. Five, I think. Yes. What is the best or not even best piece of advice? What's one piece of advice that you carry with you from Auntie Jenny? Because you know, she gives us these poems and prayers and we all, oh, my kids even still have it tucked away. Mom, I think I'm, I need to laminate this. I said, why don't you scan it and upload it? Now we have that access. They don't want to part with it. Yeah, but, but listen, I, I, I am fortunate uh, so to speak, because I probably out of uh, all of her grandkids, I get to spend the most time with her. Uh, part of it is by choice. Part of it is just because I always want to make sure she's taken care of. So, you know, I'm usually taking her to her doctor's appointments and, you know, to the grocery store and, you know, all of that type of stuff. But I get a chance to spend time with her. I go and sit and talk with her a lot and listen to the story she has. So, I mean, she's really always imparted a lot of wisdom over the years. There's so much stuff that it's hard to narrow it down to one, but I think um, she's probably one of the main reasons why I have like um, kind of like the social philosophy that I have. And so she's always preached the importance of being nice. And so being nice and kind to people, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of how they treat you, you know, she's always um, been big on being nice. Now, that being said, don't let grandma fool you. Grandma was always on top of it. You know, when we were growing up, she was not to be played with. She will but, get you. Oh man, listen, I got stories on top of stories on that, but you know, we always loved and respected her. And I think that's why, you know, anybody in the family would probably run through a brick wall for her because it's the same. They love and respect her. Um, and she, um, you know, she's got a lot of wisdom and a lot of life experience. And she's always taught us a lot. Um, so it, like I said, it's hard to narrow it down to just one, one thing. You're right, right. And her energy, I'm just so grateful to see her in her right mind. And she's still Auntie Jenny. She still has that same look from way back when. I mean- Well, listen, that's a that good job. such, hmm? That's a good diet. So grandma, you know, she's yes. been a vegetarian for uh, her whole, my whole life. Let me say that. So I can't mm -hmm. tell you, uh, I, I, I may remember a time when she used to eat like fish, but um, I mean, she's just had a great diet. She doesn't take any medicine whatsoever, not one pill. She might take vitamins like cod liver oil. I mean, so she does, she's, she's still doing well. I and mean, beautiful and, head of hair. Uh, yeah. You know, just, and, and it's a blessing because you have so many people right now suffering with so many different ailments for her to be at 95 looks like she's 70 and have the mindset and the lifestyle that she has, but she doesn't have to worry about being ill and taking pills and all that. That's, that's impressive. And the doctors are amazed when they go and, you know, she goes in for a physical or something like that or whatever. They're always amazed at her physical state. So it's, it's, it's impressive.
reading right now? What's one thing that you're reading? Uh, like I say, I, yeah, so I'm reading my, <laughs> multiple books because like I said, I, I, I am reading, it, like I said, it's, it's controlled chaos. So to everybody else, and so here's, I, I have my little library. Well, come on, come on, give it to me because I love so, sharing it with our Okay, listeners. so I, of course I read daily the Morris Holy Quran. Okay. Uh, the Morris Science Temple of America. So that read that daily. Um, there's another book that um, really has a lot of um, information that came um, from a lot of different books. You know, people, when they talk about religion, they only think that there's the four major religions, you know, the Bible, you know, for Christianity, they, you know, think about the Quran for, you know, Islam, and, and uh, then you've got the Torah for Judaism, but there's a lot of books and all of the information comes from ancient Kemet and you know, uh, uh, you know, different mystery schools. And so that book, Unto Thee I Grant, uh, was taken from some ancient um, readings and whatnot that you know had been gathered and they shared um, at you know back in like 1920 or something like that was published. So it's been pretty good. Um, then I've got another book uh, from a gentleman I went to a seminar. A uh, gentleman by the name of Michael Burke. Um, it's called Person of Interest, and so um, he's, you know, sharing with you how you really become a person that people are interested in hearing and learning from. Uh, as you know, or you may not know, um, you know, my passion since the age of twelve has been to get into motivational speaking and really just spend my time traveling around the world, sharing my story with people and helping to change some lives. And so now it's time to embark on that journey and you know, figure out how to promote myself and publicize myself to the point where I'm able to do that and, and really get it going. So that hopefully will help me do that. And of course, I'm reading um, Stephen uh, Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So now these just are a few uh, books that I'm reading. Now, the, the, the reason I read so many books at one time is the way in which I go about reading. Mm -hmm. I, Truth be told, I, I hated reading growing up. I never liked to read, but um, you know, the only time I used to read was when we get those free pizzas from Pizza Hut from the library. But other than that, I wouldn't read. But uh, <laughs> um, when I got into <laughs> uh, I got into my first or my second uh, company, and one of the things that they taught was uh, personal development, and so they made it simple to understand the importance of learning and growing personally. So we have a, a, a way in which we read, which is just reading 10 pages per day. And mm -hmm. so I'll read multiple books, but I'm only reading 10 pages at a time per day. So now it's not overwhelming. It's something that anybody can do. You can read 10 pages sitting in the bathroom. But you know what happens is if you do that small little discipline every single day, over the course of 30 days, you can read a 300 page book and, you know, sometimes, you know, most of the books aren't 300 pages, so you can read two books, you know, so when you, when you start breaking it down like that to those small little things, it, it becomes very easy to do. And by the course of, you know, the whole year, you'll realize that you have, you know, gotten through 10, 20, 25 books and become that much better. So, you know, I teach my son to become 1% better every day. If you can just be 1% better than you were yesterday, at the end of the year, you'll be 365 times better than you were today. That's beautiful. So it's just, it's crazy. Just, I mean, small, small, small things. So that's what I'm reading right now. Um, how about you? You got anything you, you reading? Cause I always like new books. 
Yes, I'm not in my room right now, but um, all right. You know, you can share it with me later. I am. I am rereading the power of now. Okay. Because okay. I need to slow my mind down and be present more. And this is maybe my third time reading it. I read a lot of devotionals on the Bible app, um, you know, related to business or if I feel myself getting anxious, I have to find something to pull myself back and remind myself to be present and not let those external forces um, seep in. Uh, so those are the two main ones. The other thing I'm doing is research, research for a project that will be fully launched. Well, it may not be fully launched, but launching February 2023. And right. we start physical development on it um, okay. this summer. So All right. just, uh, yeah. Ooh. Well, you know what's good about rereading books is that you could you could read a book that you've read two, three, four, five times before, but every time you pick it up, it's going to give you a different message. And that's what I, I that's why, you know, my wife always is over here uh, kind of laughing at me because I, I love, I want like, I, I got a big library. Like I go downstairs, I got several bookshelves mm -hmm. and I even just bought myself a little stamp so I can like emboss my books so that people know they came from my library. And so if you borrow one, you need to bring it back. So, but um, I love physical books, not electronics for that very reason, because I want to go back to them later, look at the notes that I wrote when I wrote them and compare them to my thought process today. Yes. And so I, I, I just love going back and rereading books. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, another thing I do, and I, I mentioned, so I got another book that I'm not necessarily reading, but I'm listening to. I do what we call Drive Time University. So I have okay. a book by Jeff Olson called The Slight Edge that I have a, a disc uh, set um, that I pop in and listen to in the car. So I'm restarting that one. It's probably be the fourth or fifth time I've uh, listened to it, but I'm restarting that. Um, and the premise of that book is simply the small little things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis that we think don't have any significance but make all the difference so just doing smaller things over and over consistently are, are the differences in success or failure so i'm rereading that because i think it's it's important right now for me to really focus on certain things that are going to help me get to where i want to be i love it yeah. i pulled back usually i have three or four books mm -hmm. and maybe four or five journals going <laughs> at a time for okay. different reasons um, because it is important for me for as much as I take notes on my phone and use technology, um, I've shifted to crocheting more. Okay. Creating pieces right. to both gift and, um, just be creative and I'm processing as I'm crocheting. Um, and then I pick up you know, for breaks to give my little hands a break, mm -hmm. I'll read. So Sunday I will start a new series of books, but as of right okay. now, it's only one. Are you in like Down a book club one. or something like that? Or you just read by yourself? Say it again. I said, are you in a book club or anything? Or just read by yourself? No, you know, I need to 
join book clubs, my friends don't want to start one. They're too busy. So I need to find like-minded individuals because I well, love, love, love book clubs. Now it's like, you know, it's almost easier to do it with Zoom and everything available. You, you know, you can almost start it. And it may be something okay. I need to do as well. Because, I, I, you know, I do like having, uh, you know, reading a book and being able to discuss it with people. It's something that, you know, to be said about getting other perspectives on how people perceive information. Yes. And so that's this is good. Yeah, perceive and how they are applying it to their lives. Like yeah, and absolutely. I thought about that. It's like, huh, I like the application component. Right. Now I gotta ask you how your parents are doing. I haven't asked you how my how my uncle and auntie doing up there. They are doing well. I just heard them go by. Um okay. everybody's doing well and healthy and just just doing life, you know. Well, we, we take the bumps in the road and and we just keep going and um, just oh, blessed yeah. to have them as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Blessed absolutely. to have them as well. Yeah. Well, well listen, I, I, I've enjoyed myself. I appreciate you. I'm yeah. glad you're, you know, uh, doing what you're doing. And I've always uh, admired and, you know, looked up to you and the different things that you're involved in as well. So I, I just, I, I really am, uh, honored to be able to be a part of it and that you thought about me and i'm glad to see you know see what you're doing and i'm you know wishing you the best in your continued growth and development of this uh you know uh, podcast and everything else that you got going thank you cousin enjoy your evening i thank appreciate you. you and i look forward to the next book our next hug um, our oh. next chat and just supporting you in any way that I possibly can. And likewise, you know, I'm only a phone call away, a Zoom away, or even just a, a little car ride away. So just let me know any, anything I can help with. I'm always willing. Will do.